This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, and I'm back on On the Ball, Cam Ruslan here. I've been away for a, a week or so because I had COVID, uh, but I'm recovered now. And so we have um, a packed show, and we have some of the finest pundits that we could possibly find. We have uh, Gogolin. Hello, hello. I had COVID too. Oh, yeah, but you're made of stronger stuff than me, Gogolin. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Gogolin actually managed to come back after a, a last-minute warm-up injury, but he's here. And we have also uh, Bob Holmes. Hi, good to be here. I haven't had COVID yet, which uh, says something for the oldest, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, good luck with that. And finally, we have a very happy man. He is uh, a native of Liverpool. He is Des Corkill. Strictly neutral, of course, it's got to be said, Cam. But, um, yeah, very, very happy. Things have turned uh, slightly in Liverpool's way this, this week, but uh, not so great on the Malaysian domestic front. Yeah, well, we're going to get on to that, but I just want to say, listeners at home won't know this, but uh, Des is actually wearing his Emlyn Hughes Liverpool shirt, so that's how happy he is. John, he ain't St. John, earlier than that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Before my time. And uh, we've got a really packed show tonight, uh, so we're going to have to whistle through this. We've got uh, Premier League, we've got Champions League, we've got Europa Conference League. I googled it. I still don't understand what it is. And we've got some Malaysian football too. But we're going to start with uh, Premier League, some action that happened on Thursday, Friday night. Liverpool 6, Leeds United 0. What can I say? Liverpool magnificent. And I have to go. Um, Des, I was going to not go to you, but you're wearing your shirt. Des, how good were your team? Well, before death starts, I just want to go on record and say that, you know, when all of us said that the league is over, what did I say? The wobble is coming. It's never over. We've been through, seen this before. And where are we now? Uh, yeah, that's right. Golan, yeah, he's the wobble man. He, uh, he's been advocating this for weeks now. Uh, Des, not, not a wobble at Liverpool. No, and I didn't think it was a great performance. In fact, many of the the, the people, uh, many of the the, the best pundits, the the best correspondents said it wasn't a great performance. Leeds were defensively abject. Um, The first goal is uh, a needless penalty. The second goal, you allow a centre-back to stroll through from uh, the halfway line and do a 1-2 and uh, without any contact. I mean, it's a nice finish, but... Top-class defenders don't defend like that. So Liverpool, I, I don't think, should say, hey, it's going to be 6-0 every week because we're playing so magnificently. I think Leeds, that's a subject because other teams at the bottom are winning and Leeds are losing big time now and uh, st- still not changing the way they play. So hap- happily, we'll accept, um, we'll accept 6-0. It's a, it's a great build-up. We'll accept being, um, uh, go- going into the, the, uh, the, the Carabao Cup final on the back of a, a big win. And all points or all roads move to April the 9th, April the 10th, when Man City hosts Liverpool, um, which is, you've, you've got to assume that the top two won't drop too many points uh, up until then. But there's tough games for both. Liverpool have got to go to Arsenal in a couple of weeks' time. They've got West Ham this week. And uh, Man City, they've, they've got the little matter of a Manchester derby looming and Everton away. So there's still plenty of, plenty of time to drop things. But 6-0 versus Leeds, you can't complain, but we are. Well, Bob, uh, you know, Des is always an advocate of uh, that teams should play entertaining football because it's an entertainment and they should go for it. And Leeds, 
would be the perfect club for Liverpool to go up against because they like to play open football. Uh, they like to play football. But this is the price you pay, isn't it? Six nil. Well, uh, yes, there's a bit more to it than that, though, isn't there? Um, Leeds have been without arguably three their three best players for almost the entire season. And I ask, any, could any club, even Man City or Liverpool, be without their three best players for a season? I'm talking about Cooper, Bamford and Phillips. Calvin Phillips, I think they're missing most of all, the key man in midfield. So there are mitigating circumstances for Leeds. It's second season. They've got to adjust to being in the Premier League. They didn't buy anybody or anybody of note in the close season. I think that's um, questions that Bielsa could ask the chairman. How come? I mean, they've done remarkably well. They did remarkably well in their first season, even flirted with European qualification. Um, now, the second season, they could even go down. I, I don't think they will. I think they'll just about make it. But they, uh, they are in danger. They are in grave danger. We've always said that one club always plummets suddenly, like a stone from sort of relatively mid-table. And Leeds are that club. Um, but there's a lot of competition uh, down there. There's, um, I think we can say Watford and Norwich are probably down now, and it's just one place. Uh, currently, Burnley are occupying it in 18th, but um, the way they're playing, um, it doesn't look as if they're going to go down, does it? They've still got games in hand. So Leeds, yes, they are in danger. Getting back to that game... Leeds tactics have been a little bit naive, but I think it's the lack of, of key personnel more than the tactics that have been responsible for this um, disappointing season that they've had. And then going to Anfield against a, a red-hot Liverpool. Okay, it wasn't Liverpool's best by any means, but, I mean, look at the players that Liverpool have got. I mean, Leeds, Leeds fans have barely heard of some of their own players you know, they've got them from non-league, you know, lower divisions overseas and Bielsa's managed to get a tune out of them. But this is not good enough at the um, at the top end of the of football, of the Premier League. And I think that if Leeds are serious about being back, they've got to spend some money. Mm. Uh, Goglin, a resurgent uh, Goglin here, a uh, vindicated resurgent Goglin. But I want to ask you about two teams which are not in relegation trouble. I was shocked to, do, to look at the uh, standings and Wolverhampton Wanderers are seventh, but they lost against Arsenal uh, last night. We're in a hectic match. Yeah, and, I watched the last 10 minutes of that. Uh, it, was, uh, it could have gone either way, I think, but Arsenal won it. So uh, Arsenal are now uh, back, are they? Yeah, well... I think it was a very pertinent thing what the commentators said at the end. You know, they, when they won that match, it felt like a Champions League game for them. You know, and they are back in the Champions League's places. And the way they won that game, you know, you could see the desire. The Arsenal of the past few seasons would have just settled for a draw, coming back, you know, from one 0 down in the last ten minutes. You know, but they went for it. They were sweeping forward. Wolves were trying to waste time with the substitutions and all that. They was trying to, and they were just knocking it up high and above. And they got punished by a really rampant Arsenal side. And it, this type of games uh, sends a belief running through the squad for the games coming up, you know, especially at this crucial time of the season. And I think they're going to be, be a well good shout for Champions League spot. Really? Arsenal? 
Yeah, I know. Well, who would have thought at the beginning of the season, right? <laughs> but look at the look at the trust the process, right? Everybody says so. You know, total vindication for what they've done. Total vindication, getting rid of the bad apples. Yeah, and exactly. You see yeah. the spirit they've got now. Yeah, the spirit was very evident, especially after the way, the way they scored when everybody went there. You know, Saka was you know rallying the troops. It was it was good to see. It was it was the Arsenal of old. You know, the Henri and the Vieira days. Or you know, the Warriors were on the pitch. Well, uh, speaking of spirit, uh, Des and uh, Warriors of old, Burnley won. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur nil. I mean, the last match Tottenham Hotspur were magnificent against uh, Man City, and then. Spurs, what, what's, what, what? Spursy. Uh, yeah, but Spursy, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all you say about them. Uh, whatever Antonio Conte was able to inspire in that victory in Manchester City, um, which, which was helped on the back of sensational goalkeeping performance. I, I've, I've got to say that it was, it was a, an aberration. I don't think it was a blip, Gogs. The result <laughs> was a blip, but, um, but that result was sensational. But their true form is four defeats in the last five with players who should be doing better. Remember Harry Kane, we were told, was the greatest player in the world after the victory over Manchester City. Well, Harry Kane played yesterday. Um, they, they had their chances. Kuliszewski put one millimetres wide. And the first goal against Burnley in particular is always so important because Burnley have got the capacity just to drop back and sh- shut up shop. But I'm liking Burnley. I'm liking the fact that uh, I'm a huge Vekost fan. I just say Vekost fan. I think he's um, he's Harland light, and they're feeding him, getting Aaron Lennon and Dwight McNeil. They're using old-fashioned wingers, and Jay Rodriguez coming forward, and even Jack Cork is breaking forward. And the goal itself came from a set play, Ben Mee, which is very Burnley. But the performance wasn't. The performance was was um, full of intent, full of bristle, full of going out to try and win the game of football. Um, and it, it's a change for Sean Dyche. I'm loving it. Um, Vekost is a fabulous signing because he brings a goal-scoring threat. And if you've got a goal-scoring threat, you may as well play to that advantage. And Burnley are starting to do so. As for Tottenham, with those players, you should be doing better. Simple as that. And if Conte can't inspire you because he's terrifying... Well, I don't know where they go from here. I don't know where they go. Probably Champions League, but it's it's a weird one, isn't it? I, I, I want to add on that, you know, the, the City game, I knew Spurs are going to be up for it. Because they're always up for the big games. They're all, all those players, like you said, those players are up there for the big games. They knew City were coming. They had something to prove and they played like they had something to prove, right? And they also had a game plan, which is basically, against City is shut up shop and hit them on the counter kind of thing. But against when, you're, when you are the one who are doing the playing, there was no plan. When Burnley did the same thing to them, you know, there was no plan. They could not hit the barn door with it. But yes, you, they went wide and everything. But, you know, Harry Kane was anonymous to a extent. And what Des said, with those players on the pitch, you would have expected a better result, especially coming after a high against beating Man City. Well, uh, Bob, let's wrap up the uh, Premier League matches of the, this last week uh, with what I thought was a really magnificent performance from Crystal Palace and from Wilfred Zaha. Uh, Watford won Palace 4 uh, Roy Hodgson, that new, young, promising manager, unable to keep a clean sheet on this occasion. What did we learn today? Well, I think Watford could be looking for a new manager. <laughs> I mean, there's still games to play. <laughs> um, no, seriously, even they couldn't do it, could they? Or could they? Um, it's been done before. Uh, 
I, I, I think they're down. I said earlier, I think Watford are down. I just don't think they're good enough. I don't think Roy Hodgson has got long enough. Um, I mean, he doesn't wave a magic wand. Um, what he does is rather incremental and gradual, and he's, he's just come in too late. If he'd come in when Ranieri came in, that's much earlier in the season, uh, the previous sacking, uh, he might have scraped enough points to just about survive, but it wouldn't have been pretty. Um, but that's what the owners want, isn't it? And now I think um, I think they're doomed. And I think Palace uh, finally got a result, finally scored four goals that their uh, attacking play has deserved. I think we've been saying that they're the unluckiest team Um in the league just about uh they've played more matches than most clubs they played 26 games but they're 11th now which is a bit of a more accurate reflection i think on their performance this season it would have been ludicrous for them to have got embroiled in a relegation battle uh, they've got some very handy players and zaha he hasn't had the best season not by his standards he's not been that brilliant and there is talk that he could move uh, in the summer and because he's leaving it a bit late, if he's going to get one big move in his career, uh, this is probably his last chance. But he um, he's their standout, has been their standout ever since he went back there from United. Um, and they've got others like Alisi. What a player he is. Edouard. I mean, um, they've got some quality there. Um, and Gallagher, Connor, Connor Gallagher, but they're, they're going to lose him. I'm sure Chelsea will have him back and you'll see him featuring in the Premier League next season with Chelsea. But uh, there's some there's some real quality there. And I think Patrick Vieira has done a good job. Um, so they're, they're as safe as houses now. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll build on this for next season. But Watford, I think they'll be in the uh, championship. Uh, yeah, we're going to move on to Champions League now. But I just want to say, I think that a, a really useful thing is if you have Roy Hodgson as your manager, uh, and then it'll happen. But the next season when you get rid of him, your team will go on strength to strength. <laughs> because cause he'll, he'll set down markers in defense and everything, and people will remember that. But anyway, we move on. And in a moment, we're going to be doing uh, some Champions League talk. Gosh, it's been a long time. Here on On The Ball. Is it On The Ball? On The Ball on uh, BFM 89.9. Deserved a goal that, love the return pass, just wide. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, uh, Cam Raslan, Bob Poems, Des Corkill and Goglin. And we're now talking Champions League on On the Ball. And uh, Des, let's go to you. Atletico Madrid, Manchester United won. You know, Manchester United, they were okay, weren't they? Uh, not for the first uh, hour or so. Um, they, they got out of jail a little bit here. Um I thought I'm, I'm not a big Atletico fan. I'm not a big fan of the way uh, Simeone sets up his teams, but he, he seems to have changed his, his mood a little bit. They were exciting. Uh, they were aggressive from the word go. They got the early goal. They hit the post and bar a couple of times. Uh, if it goes 2-0, I think uh, United are in danger of capitulation. But uh, credit to Ranić. They're not playing well, but they're still digging out semi-decent results. A, a draw at Atletico for any club is, is, is a fine result. It's well taken by Alanga, who's come on with a couple of big goals in the, in the last couple of weeks. Um, so he's bringing on young players. Um, he's bringing younger players through. He's trusting Fred 
which I'm I'm very happy with because I I'm Fred works hard and United don't have another player maybe Scott McTominay but they don't have another player who works hard as Fred and I love it when regular guys uh, expensive regular guys but regular players um, get get a bit of kudos so it's a good result for United but not a great performance but it's something to build on and I said that I think in in Friday's show when you were when you were still under the weather can. Don't rule Man United out for a Champions League final place. Mm. Do not rule it out. Mm. Honestly, you look at the players that they have got at their disposal. You look at the way they are able to grind out um, results when they shouldn't. And I would not count them out. I hope I'm wrong. Gosh, I hope I'm wrong. But do not count them out. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that United are a shout for the final of the Champions League? I am indeed. I am indeed. Based on your argument, what about the squads of all the other teams in there? So it, it's because it's the knockout base and it's rather like your Tottenham, uh, what you're saying about Tottenham. This is a team who I feel can and will rise to the huge occasion. And you hit the Champions League quarterfinals when you're an underdog. United never the underdog. But you look at the players they've got, your Varans, your Maguires, uh, your David De Gea, who I still think is amongst the best in the world. Pogba loves the big occasion. And imagine the fun they would have pushing it down people's throats that, hey, you, you gave me all this stick. You said I'm not worth it. And look, go and look at what we've done. And Ronaldo, do not count him out. He may be going through a dreadful time. But I look at that United side and I, I've got this nightmare of them turning up uh, in the Champions League final wherever it is held, be it in Russia or somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's crazy talk. Shut um, up, shut up. Thank you. Well, Thank I, you, I just, I just like to say that uh, I, I agree. It's crazy. Um, I, I get Des's point, but there are three other English Premier League teams exactly. still in the uh, Champions League, and the draw becomes open when you get to the um, later stages. And I think that all three of those other teams will definitely beat Man United over two legs. I think United. Could beat Real Madrid if Real Madrid sneak through somehow. Um, one or two teams in there that they could beat, uh, Benfica or Ajax, for example, but they wouldn't beat any of the three English teams. Well, uh, speaking of which, Goglin, uh, I'd like to take us to uh, Chelsea. Chelsea to Lille nil. Pretty pedestrian Lille. I was kind of hoping for more from them, but they are mid-table in Ligue 1, 11th, and this is Chelsea. So everything going to plan? It was a, it was rather it wasn't a great performance from Chelsea if you ask me you know the fact that and Lukaku being they have a real problem with Lukaku now and I think the, the league cup when is the league cup final by the way yeah. uh, Sunday night Sunday night this Sunday night right yeah so yeah they really needed to get out of third or first gear or something like that you know it was very very as you said a pedestrian effort by Chelsea there's bigger uh, challenges coming up for Chelsea but you cannot discount Lille anyway you know they might be mid table in uh, Liga but it's still it's 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 uh, the Champions League and like what Des said, players are always up for it. It's a knockout, you know. And when it's a knockout, it's just you know. And uh, is the away goals rule still in play? No, or? no, no, oh, that's no more, right? yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think we're all happy with, aren't we? The the getting not rid really, of, no, no, not no, really. No. I really enjoy no. the away goals rule, man. The more really. jeopardy, yeah, yeah. much more jeopardy. Exactly, you know. Great knights came out of the away goals rules. Really? Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. I hated it. I hated it so much. So, Bob, I want to come to you for the Villarreal 1, Juventus 1. It was like two cultures, two very different cultures clashing here, uh, two different philosophies. I, th I thought it was a fascinating match. And we also saw Vlahovic was the man that everybody was trying to get over the, uh, the January window. Uh, what did you make of this? Uh, well, yes, you're 
you're right. Two two real clashes there. Uh, let's go to uh, Vlahovic first. Um, Thirty seven seconds was it to make his mark? Um, took it really well out of the blue sort of goal in the very first minute. But he made Arsenal, um, I think, shake their heads and wonder what might have been. Imagine this Arsenal side with Vlahovic playing for them. I think they'd be uh, dead certs for a Champions League place. But uh, Juventus got him. I think he was always going to go there, made his name in Italy anyway, playing for Fiorentina. Um, yeah, Juventus are a shadow of their former selves, um, but they they would probably be reasonably satisfied um, to to hold uh, Villarreal away from home, even though the away goals rule doesn't count for anymore. Um, Villarreal were a little bit uh, disappointing, um, I thought. I mean, they're, they're a sort of uh, homespun kind of club that has to make do with uh, quite a lot of Premier League cast-offs, including their manager. Um, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit harsh when he's won the UEFA Cup about five times, but you know what I mean. Unai Emery, um, he's probably found his level at Villarreal. Um <laughs> Always, always thereabouts, <laughs> but never so quite rude. there. Um, you know, one of one of the great sort of runner-ups. Uh, you know, always sort of in the uh, UEFA Cup or you know fourth qualifier in the Champions League. Um, but I mean, he gets them to play. He gets a tune out of these guys. I mean, a lot of those half of those half that team were ex Premier League players. I mean, people like Etienne Capoue, and he he played all right. Um, they just haven't got the the finance that Juventus has. So, yeah, clash of cultures, but um, I'd like to see Villarreal uh, win the return. That that would be something. Mm. And, uh, Des, I want to move on to uh, – it's one of those clashes that on paper. It's so mouth-watering. It's like just Benfica 2, Ajax 2. I mean, I, every time Ajax turn up, I get terribly excited. And it was uh, a hectic match again with some old familiar names, but also uh, watching Ajax play, it must be like home shopping for, for the big clubs. It's like, oh, I'll have that one next season and then that one, pick and mix, very nice. <laughs> a, a little bit, but the star of the Ajax show is Tadic, the guy who used to be at uh, little old Southampton. He's the man who makes them tick. He's the man who, I think, gives them a, a certain amount of belief in themselves. And um, this is a, a terrific uh, draw at Benfica. Benfica pulled it back, uh, what, seven, 70 minutes or so? But Tadic is running the show. Haller, another Premier Division cast-off from West Ham, is, um, is scoring goals for fun. They, it, they could have won it easily 5-1 uh, on, the, on the great chances they had uh, because the, the Greek goalkeeper with the unpronounceable name for uh, Benfica, uh, he, 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 he performed heroics. But, so this is nicely set up. Because there's no away goals, this, this goes in as, as, as all square into the second leg. But I like Ajax. I like the way they play. I like the way they, um, they, they play nice attacking football, aren't scared of people's reputations. Talking of a reputation, Ten Hag's reputation is going up and up and up and up. We may well see him in the Premier League next year as a manager of a certain uh, Manchester club. And that's what you say, uh, Ajax... They, they create players, they have super players, and then they get picked off, picked off, picked off, picked off. Uh, and it could be the same with the manager as well. But it's, it's the cast-offs that they are making uh, into really good players at the moment. Uh, 
Goglin, before we move on to, to Europa, of these ones that we've seen playing, who, I mean, Des seems to think uh, Manchester United are sure. No, I say don't count them out. <laughs> That's a very different thing from they will win it. Do not count them out. They're a dark horse. The headline I took from that was Des Corkhill says Manchester United will I win the Champions League. I never had you down as, as red tops, mate. Never had you down as that. That's how I'm going to post it on my Twitter. Absolutely. <laughs> who, who do you, who do you, of these these teams, who do you think would be um, uh, going all the way? What of the teams that played over the week? Over the yeah. week, is it? Yeah. Uh, I, I think Chelsea have a really good, especially with Tuchel, they have a good chance of going all the way. They 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 are a slow burn, you know. They don't really go on like flashes of brilliance and all that. They are a slow burn, but they get there. You know, they get there. They do the hard work and they get there. They are like the Ajax of. Uh, you say uh, England, you know, not with the players, but with the way the style of football and the way they play. Mm. And when Havertz and uh, Pulisic are scoring, you know, things can happen. Imagine if Lukaku actually gets his uh, groove back on. Uh, yeah, imagine. <laughs> um, we're going to go quickly, uh, Bob, to the Europa League knockout uh, matches, which have just happened. And uh, Rangers versus Dortmund. Did you catch this one? Uh, caught, caught the highlights and uh, Rangers did the job, completed the job. Um, a magnificent performance. Uh, they did the hard work last week and it would have been a great travesty really if they had not gone through because it would have ruined one of the great nights of uh, recent Rangers history and Scottish football even in Europe um, because Borussia Dortmund I mean they don't need any introduction they're second in the Bundesliga chasing Bayern as as always um, but uh, they're formidable at home and they were shocked to be in this. They, they dropped out of the Champions League. Normally, their par for them is a semi-final place in the Champions League, not being cast out into this. This is for the, um, the dirt trackers. But uh, there they were. But they didn't have uh, Erling Braut Haaland. I think that has to be said. Uh, he might have made a difference. He wasn't quite ready to come back. Uh, but they did have Jude Bellingham, who scored again, as he did last week. And he's looking a, a, a real gem uh, for England in, in the future, Jude Bellingham. But um, Rangers, all credit to them. And of course, their night was completed when Celtic went out to uh, Glim Boda uh, or something like that, who I'm uh, informed are quite a decent team. We were saying this was equivalent to sort of Kidderminster and West Ham last week, but it wasn't. They've won back-to-back -back titles in Norway. Um, they win almost every game they play, and they've got a cracking young manager who's going to be uh, much sought after uh, at the end of the season. So it wasn't quite the upset that uh, we thought, but it was a great night for Glasgow Rangers. Hmm. Well, we're going to carry on with uh, Europa in a, in a moment, uh, but we have to take a quick break and we'll catch up with some more uh, matches in a moment here on On The Ball on BFM 89.9. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On The Ball and we're doing a Europa League and Europa Conference, which I think somebody is going to tell me what that means. Uh, in, in, and first of all, we're going to go to... Uh, one of the, I mean, this is a mouth-watering, listen to this, Napoli versus Barcelona. I mean, I was, Barcelona in the Europa League? Well, Napoli-Barcelona is usually a Germany Champions League fixture. Oh. So, Des, you caught the, uh, you caught this one. Uh, how, how, how was it? It's a rejuvenation of Barcelona 
Firstly, Napoli deserve to lose every single game because of the kit that they play in. It's dreadful. Uh, you've got this <laughs> wonderful, wonderful tradition of the sky blue and they go out in this dark blue monstrosity at the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium. So they deserve 2-0 down after 13 minutes to Barcelona. But Barcelona are building a really exciting team. Adama Traore is leading the line. Aubameyang looks like he's been released from something. So clearly there was uh, the, the Arteta Aubameyang um, uh, chemistry didn't work at, at the Emirates. It's certainly working uh, over in Barcelona because he scored a hat trick at the weekend. Uh, his celebrations, he's uh, uh, full of fun, he's smiling. Uh, he's with a team that's trying to play good uh, attacking football. Uh, they're also vulnerable defensively. But to, to go to Napoli, full strength Napoli, and win 4-2. Doesn't matter whether it's the Intertoto Cup, which was the forerunner to this European conference. If you can get a victory uh, in a tournament, if you can lift up some silverware, it's, it helps the team on the way. It's an old school way of looking at things, but there's nothing like success to believe that you are capable of winning bigger and better competitions. So I think those teams who look down on this, like Tottenham, are saying, oh, this wasn't worth really playing in. It's let's put out our kids. I think that that's a bit crazy. If your team's not going through the best of times, that's exactly the case with Barcelona. And I'm sure you're going to come up with Leicester as well. But it was a, a great, fun performance by Barcelona who, who look like they've been released under Xavi. And before we get to the Leicester match, I want to ask uh, Bob, I'm going to ask you, for 10 points, can you, and obviously I know the answer to this, can you tell me what the Europa Conference League is? Yeah, it's uh, a step down from the Europa League. Uh, I think it's for the for the next teams in who qualify in their own domestic leagues, those who are one place below those who qualify for the Europa League. Um, I I think that's uh, how it works. Um, I'm not entirely sure if you can get relegated from the Europa League to the Conference as you can from the Champions League to the Europa League. I I'm not entirely sure about that but it's basically for teams who come about sixth or seventh or eighth in the league so it's a one step down in class the answer is yes you can get relegated from the Europa league into the conference yes okay this sounds like a cl- uh, cup for um for turning up and so uh but des speaking of turning up two teams turned up renders and leicester you saw this how how'd it go uh, three fantastic goals from Leicester. Again, Brendan Rodgers, he's under the cosh at, uh, in, at, uh, domestically. Um, there's some people saying, oh, he's, he's, he's going through his third season process and the players aren't responding. Well, you ask James Madison, you ask the Randers goalkeeper about the three goals that flew past him. Top corner, top corner, bottom corner. Fabulous strikes. Uh, they've done the hard work with a 4-1 win uh, at home uh, last year, uh, last week. And then they've, they've made it relatively simple. But there's nothing like winning. And if you're into these latter stages of this competition, if, if a Leicester City have a chance to win a European trophy, it's like the old league, it's like the League Cup. You, you, you go for it. It, it, it's a trophy. It's on the cabinet. Nobody can take it away from you. For, even for Barcelona as well, great for, the, um, uh, great for the conference of the players. Hey, we can win. We should win. We're Barcelona. But listen, we haven't been winning. Now we can win. Leicester, exactly the same. We've got great players. We've, Madison should be playing for England. Go and prove it. Go get some trophies on, on the board. This is an opportunity to do exactly that. Same for Rangers against Borussia Dortmund. All fabulous stuff. Wow. Um... It's always great when someone can really talk up something like the Europa Conference. I love it. <laughs> uh, Goglin, we're going to move on to some uh, 
Premier League uh, previews, and uh, which is going to be happening over the weekend. A, a pretty good uh, bunch of matches coming up, and I want to start off with uh, Everton versus Man City. I looked at the Premier League table, and Everton are 16th, two points above the relegation spot. Is it possible that they're going to get relegated? Yeah, no club is too big to go down, right? I found that out in Villa. So, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a critical time for Everton. They need, really need to get the house in order. They've got Lampard back. They were coming, they're blowing hot and cold. I don't think they've found their uh, right uh, formation of team yet with, under Lampard. So, he's still trying out the players in his team. But I don't know whether he has enough time for this, especially with uh, games coming thick and fast. And now you've got City. And City are going to be smarting from that uh, defeat and look at Liverpool breathing down their neck. And this is now a proper title race. So, yeah, Pep's been there, done that. He's going to drill that into his mates, into his teammates, uh, team. And it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be really hard for Everton on this one. Are they going to lose? Well, I don't see them getting, taking anything for away from this game. Yeah. No. Okay, uh, Bob, I want to ask you about the uh, upcoming champions of Europe, Manchester United, are going to be playing Watford. Uh, who, well, they're in trouble, top and bottom of the league. Uh, what's the outcome of this one? Well, you've got to say uh, Man United, haven't you? I think if uh, Watford get anything out of this, then, um, you know, the, the chaos and disarray or whatever's going on at Manchester United uh, will rear its ugly head again. Um, I mean, they've, they're eking out results. They are... They're actually fourth. They're in the Champions League position now. Arsenal have uh, got two games in hand and are only one point behind them. But um, Manchester United are there and they have the fourth best squad. I think we all agree on that on paper. So really, if Rangwick can get this sorted out and the players can remain fit and not argue with each other and with him, et cetera, et cetera, they should get it done. They should qualify. Uh, but as I say, this would be on the Richter scale if Watford were to get anything. And it would obviously breathe new life into Watford, who were, we've just about written off as dead. And I think it's a, it looks on paper like a comfortable game to play after you've had uh, a tough game in Europe, um, going to Madrid and tackling uh, Simeone's Atletico to be facing Watford at home is just about what you pick out of the fixture list. So I don't really see any danger here. And I think, um, you know, another defeat and Watford will be just about down. Okay, so Watford are going to win that one. <laughs> <laughs> and But uh, Des, for me, I think this is the most mouthwatering uh and and who knows which way this could possibly go? Leeds versus Tottenham, uh, you know, Spursy against Leedsy. <laughs> what is the possible outcome of this one? Well, they both need it. Um, I think Tottenham have the better players. Whether Tottenham will respond to this as being a big game that they must win, which I think is is what, is what it really comes down to. It, it should be hostile at Leeds. The one thing with the Leeds fans is they, they've not lost faith. In the team, they've not lost faith in uh, Bielsa. Uh, they still love Bielsa, actually, and they they love the way the team is being represented. So Leeds will go out for this. There'll be a, a, a thumping atmosphere um, at uh, Elland Road. 
it's how Tottenham respond. And you, you, you've, you've asked the question. I, I don't know the answer to that. If it's Man City away, I'll say Tottenham will respond with resilience and power. Uh, if they play Man United away, they'll respond with resilience and power. Do they see Leeds as a, as a big test? Probably do. Because they're still in that Champions League slot. Uh, that's a Champions League race. I think Tottenham have got games in hand on everybody else as well. So they are currently eighth at the moment. But they've only played 24 games. Not a million miles away. Not a million miles away. So it's possible that they can, uh, with a, 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 a number of wins, if Conte can kick up their backsides and get the results, that they can get back into it. So, yeah, after much procrastination, I'm coming down on the side here of Tottenham. Hmm. Okay. So Leeds are going to win that one, um, <laughs> 6-0. And, uh, uh, and sometimes, you know, we say crazy things like that, and then it turns out to be true. So uh, I gotta, we've been talking about some of the teams that are in danger of relegation, and we've got some more to come up. Uh, Gogolin, I just want to quickly just, you know, there's, there's Watford, Leeds, uh, Norwich, obviously, Newcastle, Burnley. There's a bottom spot there that's still up for grabs. Which who's can Burnley get out of this, and can somebody else be dragged in, like say Everton? Yeah, of course. Like I said earlier on, Everton are really in danger of relegation. It's a, a couple of games go your go your uh, the other way, and your opponents win. And Burnley are you know putting together Burnley and Newcastle are putting together results, as Villa found out. So yes, they are they they have the momentum behind them, and Everton better start sorting themselves out, or they're going to be dragged into that relegation dogfight, you know. But I think technically, if Leeds doesn't get their players back, like Calvin Phillips and Patrick Bamford, and you know these players back in time, they're going down. And I would say it's Watford, Norwich, and Leeds. Watford, Norwich, Leeds. Okay, all right. Um, I will break that news to Arvin Sidhu uh, on Monday. I'm sure he'll be very happy here. Cam, a few weeks ago, you said you were going to monitor these forecasts. Um, I know you've you've been off for a week or so, but I mean, have you got a, a little black book with all the figures of the forecasts? I'm sure the listeners would be dying to know who's top. Yeah, well, thanks for exposing my uh, lack of professionalism in public there, Bob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we did talk about this before. <laughs> uh, I, okay, in future, I will do that. But I know I do remember that Des did say uh, one uh, crazy result that came to pass. Which he denies. He denies. You have been <laughs> taking me out of context. All right. Um, okay, well, I'll do it in future. So we're going to move on, though, to I think one of the, the real surprises of, of this season, I think we can all agree, has been West Ham. And I don't know quite what David Moyes is doing there, but also a surprise would be Wolverhampton Wanderers doing very well. So West Ham versus Wolves at uh, at West Ham. Uh, Bob, how do you how do you see this one, and and, and what is the West Ham secret? Uh, Declan Rice, I think, in uh, two words, uh, he's he's become uh, a world class player. I think over the last year or so. Uh, I mean, he he does everything now. He even scores. We regarded him as a defensive midfielder but this season he's been more attacking he's the complete midfielder now he pops in one or two goals as well which is a real bonus and West Ham have already turned down 100 million pounds for him uh, from uh, Man United it's believed Uh, I mean he is the actual fulcrum of the side and I think just going back to Leeds uh, their equivalent was Calvin Phillips and this is why England did well in the in the Euros 
England had both of them. And when you've got Phillips and Declan Rice in midfield, you've got a bit of a chance. And of course, as we know, they went all the way. Um, Leeds haven't had Phillips, sadly, but Rice has managed to stay fit. And he basically runs that team. And I think his partnership with Suchek is one of the best in the business, actually. Suchek is, is a tremendous player. A real find. I think they only paid about in the teens of millions for him. A real steal from the Czech Republic. Um, and they've got Antonio, although he hasn't scored lately. He he scores in, in bursts. He can go, you can score five or six goals in five or six games and then go seven or eight without scoring at all. But he is a threat up front. And they've got a pretty solid defence, even though they're missing Ogbonna. Um, they're a formidable outfit, and I think they're probably superior to Wolves, and Wolves are, are going to be coming at them uh, having just lost to um, Arsenal. I can't believe they're playing that quickly, um, that soon. Um, they've only, they only played last night, didn't they, Wolves? And yet they're playing again two days later. You only normally do that um, Christmas and Easter, but that's the fixture list. I, I think the Wolves match that, that they just played was delayed from December. So, uh, you know, they, they've got so many backlog matches they've got to catch up with. Hey, but uh, Des, very quickly, I want to take a quick sidestep following on actually from what Bob said. One thing that when I'm watching matches these days, I, I have to pinch myself and realize I'm watching some really great young English players and a lot of them. You mentioned Declan Rice. And the other day against Man City, Harry Kane was the greatest striker of all time. <laughs> there are some really good English players. And would you point out one that you would say is a real standout player that's, that's, that's going to go for greatness? Gosh, it, it, so a whole group came through from that under-17 and under-20 World Cup wins of a, of a couple of years ago, which suggests that the academies are, are getting things right. Um, Gosh, it, it's it's difficult to pick one out because, as you say, there are there are so many coming through. Uh, I love Gwehi at Crystal Palace. I think he has made a, a huge difference, and I think uh, another season at Crystal Palace, he could find himself going to um, one of the big clubs because he's he's an organizer, he's a talker, he's confident. I've liked what it did. I would have said Ryan Brewster a few years ago, but Ryan Brewster's <laughs> disapp- disappeared off the radar, which just shows you how quickly things can change. Um, Mason Mount is, is already putting in, in, in a figure. So Mason Mount and Declan Rice were, were like this as kids growing up, apparently. And they, they still joke with each other. So um, if Declan Rice is to get one of those uh, 100 million obscene moves, I suspect it could be that Mason Mount, Declan Rice thing that, that could uh, prove to be crucial. So he could be on his way to Chelsea if Roman Obranovich's money is still allowed at Chelsea. Keep an eye on that. Yeah. Keep an eye on that. That is that is something that um, may well come and bite Chelsea in the backside. They've relied largely on his money. Um, but to answer, answer your question, there's, there's a, a, a lot of good English talent coming through, and uh, I'm a big fan of Mason Mount. Hmm. Well, we're going to go, we're going to uh, do some more Premier League previews in the final part of On the Ball in a moment here on BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine header. Fine goal. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back in the final part of On the Ball here on BFM 89.9. We're doing some Premier League previews, and I want to go straight to Gogolin, Aston Villa fan, lifelong, and Brighton versus Aston Villa. Uh, strange club, Aston Villa, under Stevie G. What's going on? Are they, are they going to 
win this one? Who are they now? I, I ask that question every week when I switch off the TV after the games. So yeah, I mean, we had a run. We had we had a run of games where we had Leeds, Newcastle, Watford, and Brighton. If you look at it on paper before this game, these are games that you expect as a Villa fan to pick up points with the squad we have, with the manager we have. You know, pick up some decent points and push ourselves up the table. All right, we have picked up one point from three games. This is against Leeds, what Newcastle, and Watford. You know. Stevie G has come and stuck with the selection of his players now. Mings thinks he's too good for you. He thinks he's a, a England international and starts doing unnecessary stuff on the pitch. We can't seem to defend. We can't seem to attack. We don't know whether Watkins has got off the boil. So I think we need to bring Ings back on and start giving him a bit more of a rundown. Briundia is there in and out of the game. So I don't know really what uh, Stevie G's game plan is because he had a game plan in the beginning when he came and that game plan of the players started playing for him and you could see that the new manager bounced and everything. But now we're playing against teams that are, you know, you expect to be, be beating them and taking the points. No disrespect, but you know, I don't see what, well, how, how we, are, we are playing. It was a shocking game against Watford at home. To lose to Watford at home is inexcusable. And it was a really, really pathetic performance. So, you know, they really started pulling up their socks against teams like Brighton. And Brighton are no pushovers this season. So, you know, I really feel for this guy. If we get a draw, I'll be happy right now. Oh, a happy fan there. Happy Aston Villa <laughs> fan. <laughs> uh, Bob, I want to, we're jumping around in the, in the calendar here, uh, but I want to come to, um, to you to ask you about uh, Brentford versus Newcastle. Because also there's, you know, there's Stevie G, ex-great player, Lampard, great player who become managers. There's an expectation. Meanwhile, there are young English managers who didn't have stellar playing careers. For instance, Potter down in uh, Brighton, and then also here in Newcastle. Should we uh, expect more from these non-playing managers? Like you know, Newcastle are sort of getting their act together, aren't they? Yeah, they've. Uh, I think they've approached it um, pretty sensibly. To be fair, since the uh, takeover, I think it's outrageous uh, what what is happening there—the sports washing situation. But to be fair to uh, those who are in charge now, I think they've approached it in a pretty uh, sound way for saying that they are—they're not football people. Um, Amanda Stavely is—you um, know—she's a businesswoman. Um, and uh, so is her husband. And they didn't have a director of football under Mike Ashley. Uh, there was nobody to, there's normally some continuity when there's a takeover. There's somebody who stays on, who's, who says to the new people, oh, this is how we used to do this and that, whatever. But Newcastle didn't have that structure. So they've come in blind. They ha- there's really nobody there. And they're getting advice from various consultants and people, but they still haven't appointed a director of football. But I think they bought pretty well. I mean, they've overpaid. They were forced to overpay, but they haven't pay, overpaid as much as was expected. Um, and they've been very unlucky with Kieran Trippier, who I think they got a bargain there. I mean, he's outstanding. And he scored a couple of goals from free kicks and then goes and does his metatarsal. Um, very unfortunate. But I think the effect that he and the rest have had uplifting the, the not only the crowd, but the dressing room, that they, um, they are actually, I think, inching towards safety. I think they, um, they played 24 games, uh, which is uh, one more than Burnley, but they've got two more points. And they're comfortably ahead of uh, of Watford and Norwich. Um, I think that 
teams like Leeds and Everton and Brentford are the ones who are on the downhill slope, whereas Newcastle have got momentum and have won, I think, two, three games in a row now. Um, so I think even without Trippier, I think Newcastle have probably got the edge here. I would rather Brentford win this, make no mistake about that. I mean, I'm a complete neutral on this, but who would you support? A club owned by the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia or a community club in West London that hasn't been in the Premier League for 74 years? I think, you know, I, I throw that open to the floor. I know whose side I'm on in this. Hmm. I thought Brentford had never been in the top tier. No, they were in 1947. They were Came last fifth, in, I think, didn't they? They've been as high as top five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 1947, they were in the old first division. They got relegated and they haven't been back. That's the kind of punditry you can you can expect on this uh, on this show. <laughs> and, and it's also the kind of punditry I can't Google fast enough to know if they are telling the truth or not. Bob was there. Bob was there. I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember it well. Bob, Bob has a match program. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Uh, let's go to um, uh, one of the matches, which I think could be really interesting. Um, Des, Crystal Palace versus Burnley. Given what has just happened, who knows how, how this could go? I mean, surely Crystal Palace have it within them to at home to to brush aside Burnley. But you're you're liking what Dyche is doing. So I'm, I'm liking the fact that for, for the first time in about five years, he's going out to try and win games because Burnley hadn't been in this kind of dire situation before. Uh, in previous seasons, they got points early on in the season enough to stop any 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 uh, throwaway. This is a this is a, a tough one. They're on a high. It was a great victory against Tottenham. All the all the pressure is about Conte and what Tottenham didn't do, but it's what Burnley did. They went out to try to win the game of football. They played an attacking lineup, and Veghorst is a beast. So Veghorst versus one of my favourite boys, Gwehi. I'm looking forward to that, and I can see Burnley getting something on this and maintaining their momentum simply because I think they, I think they've got a momentum going. And rather like Bob said, Newcastle have got a momentum going. Um, I'd like Palace to do well because I, I, I love what Vieira's done for them this year. Again, I think they're a team who try and win games. It's a game I'll watch. Um, with with neutral perspective, but I think Burnley might just have the edge here. Wow, a, 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 a match with Burnley, a game I'll watch. That yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and that's that's fabulous because I pay a subscription fee, and so I'm feeling that my I'm getting value for money when I'm watching Burnley because because they're not just kicking lumps up to Chris Wood to lay it off. They they're, they're trying to play constructive football and then kick it up to Vecos to lay it off. Chris Wood is now in Newcastle. Uh. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not a Newcastle fan. <laughs> hmm. uh, Gogolin, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask you. Uh, to, you have a choice. You can either preview the Southampton Norwich match, and apologies to Southampton and Norwich fans if he doesn't choose this one. <laughs> or, or we can jump straight to the Carabao Cup final with uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. And I'm wondering when I watch Man City and I watch the second and third, and I'm, I'm wondering, am I watching some of the best football I've ever seen? You know, ordinarily, Liverpool would be the champions. Chelsea, on their day, could be the champions, but they're not. This could be quite a match, couldn't it? It is. It, it definitely going to be a, it's going to be a feast for the boys, like the, my son and everything. His age, it's going to be a feast. You know, I, you would ask me South Evan Norwich and all that. This is the chasm that is going to be happening in football soon, you know, where the kids who are following uh, all these teams because of that. 
it's uh, but I digress. Anyway, it's going to be a great game. It's uh, I think Liverpool will edge this because they are on the form that they are on is red hot at the moment, and you know it's going to take a real Chelsea performance. I don't even know whether they're prioritizing this over everything else, but it's going to take a real uh, 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 something for Chelsea to pull this off if they're going to get anything from this game. But I think Liverpool, with the form they are on, the players are on, on the way they're scoring for fun, it'll be a tight game. But I think Liverpool edge this. Actually, Gogan, can I just quickly, quickly ask you, kids these days, then, are they, are they registering Southampton, Norwich? I mean, do they, does it even... No, they're not. They're not even registering teams. They're registering players. They follow players. My son is a Messi fan. He now watches PSG the other day. I had to wake up and watch PSG Real Madrid. I hope you set him right on that. It's, it's Wait, why, why are you wasting my time, son? We, 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 don't, we don't watch PSG. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> my goodness, what kind of fathering is going on there? Well, all right then, uh, Bob. Chelsea, Liverpool. You you are surely a neutral on this one. Um, no, I'm a I'm a Liverpool sympathiser. I think is the term used. Um, I uh, I still like uh, the idea that Liverpool are a people's club, despite the fact that they're owned by a billionaire. But they are influenced by a lot of people, and uh, they are. I, I think their history and everything else is uh, is tremendous. So I, uh, uh, I I kind of lean towards Liverpool, um, certainly against Chelsea, um, owned by a, an oligarch whose name was mentioned in a uh, UK Parliament yesterday under parliamentary privilege, um, along with Usmanov. Uh, who is uh, at Everton in a sort of shadowy capacity. He's backing um, Mashari, uh, Mashiri rather, the uh, main owner of Everton. But uh, some of that money is coming from uh, Alicia Osmanov. And he was also mentioned. So these, these two clubs have got a, got a, you know, a nervous week or two ahead to, to see what, where their money's going to go. Um, back to the game, uh, Liverpool have got the form, got the momentum, um, but Chelsea are a custard side at the best of times. And although they're not really firing and they're not getting, I don't think they're getting their money's worth out of 300 odd million that they spent, not just Lukaku. I mean, he's the headline act, 97.5 million on him, but uh, Werner, Havertz, Pulisic, and Ziyech, 330 million, I worked it out, they've spent on those players. Now, okay, they're all decent players. We can see that. They're all fine players. But are they really getting 330 million out of, out of them? They're 14 points, uh, uh, 13 points behind Man City at the top of the table. Okay, they've won the World Club Cup and they're current European champions with one foot in the quarterfinals. But are they really getting £330 million worth of value out of those players? I don't think so. I'd go for Liverpool. In contrast, Liverpool are getting every, every penny out of the money they've invested. I think you can see that there's a different, uh, the different operation going on there. Liverpool's recruitment is second to none. Hmm. Well, uh, BFM paid three hundred thirty million for this lineup of punditry here, and, and, I, and, I, and I keep telling them I think we're getting value for money. Um, <laughs> but uh, what are they? 
What do they keep saying though? But uh, Des, I'm not going to ask you about this match. You can just quickly just say, before we turn to Malaysian football, uh, Liverpool or Chelsea, one or the other, quick. I slightly lean towards Liverpool, but I'm terrified of Chelsea. I think Klopp needs a trophy to, not in my view, but a lot of Liverpool fans' view, but in the history books to be considered a great, great, great manager. He is a great manager, but you need trophies on the board. Okay, you've got you've got uh, two minutes to tell us, and I'm sorry we have to re- run out of time. Malaysia League Charity Shield. What's happening in the Malaysian game? Okay, so the, the it's the forerunner to the season. It's the uh, opening of the season. It's not a league game, um, but the Charity Shield, the Piala Sumbangse, is uh, taking place at Johor. Uh, and it's between the, the league winners, Johor, the perennial league winners, Johor, Daryl Taksim, and the Malaysia Cup winners, uh, KL City, Kuala Lumpur City, who are a friend of ours, uh, Stanley Bernard is uh, CEO of. And KL City have uh, added a couple of players to, the, to their squad from last year. Johor seems to have added half of Asia to their squad since last year. They have got a, a, a glut of really good players. Uh, Forestieri, an Italian who uh, was playing in the championship with uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Marignon and Carly de Merga, who are two well-known Filipinos of uh, foreign extraction. So they've got a huge squad, Johor. They were upset. They were seriously upset that they lost the Malaysia Cup final and that they didn't do so well in the AFC Champions League. So their pre-season saw them go to Dubai and they were drawing games with the likes of Spartak Moscow. It, it, it just phenomenal. Different, different level. Whereas uh, KL City's warm-up was a 2-0 defeat to Negri Sembilan. So it should, on paper, be a Johor win, but this is a boy on Hodak side, so it'll be difficult uh, to, to break them down. But that's the, 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 the curtain raiser to the season, which starts the week after. The, the, the bad news of this week, the under-19s, sorry, the under-23s were eliminated by Laos in the uh, under-23 championships in Cambodia, which sounds dreadful. It's, 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 it's not great. The mitigating circumstances, it was very much a shadow squad that went up to play. Um, they were up against a, a Laosian under-23 side who uh, got quite a few players with um, uh, Thai league experience. But even so, it was, it was desperately disappointing. And the, the thing I'd like to pull out from that, it, the Malaysia lads had hardly played a competitive game of football for 18 months. There just is not enough competitive football that takes place in Malaysia. We need more teams, more leagues. That is the responsibility of the Football Association of Malaysia. And uh, until kids get to play more games in the 40s and 50s a year, you will not get seriously competitive um, football at at that level, no matter how good the kids are in practice. So a devastating um, day, but let's hope that a lesson which won't be learned might be learned. Well, that brings us to the end then of a breathless uh, episode of On The Ball. We've covered a lot of football here. And uh, so I'd like to thank our £330 million worth of punditry here, Goglin. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to be back. And uh, Bob Holmes. Yeah, thanks. Even even thirty pounds would do. <laughs> You'd be lucky. And finally, Des Corkill. Even thirty ringgit would do. Enjoy the football this weekend. <laughs> and so, uh, thank you very much. So I'm Cam Ruslan, and join us next week uh, on Friday or Monday. And uh, BFM eighty nine point nine. But he's been absolutely brilliant. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.